Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And today, I hope people who don't like or don't know about UBI hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And today I'm talking about UBI. And this is for people who don't either don't know what it is or don't like what it is. And I have to give a disclaimer of, of to disclose fully and completely because you know I, I like doing that i like letting you guys know what's what's up and i don't like hiding things from you so th this might be a little biased because well it is biased because i am a supporter of andrew yang i have contributed to his campaign and the reason why i mentioned that is because andrew yang's main platform of running or trying to become the democratic can presidential candidate is proposing the ubi or what he calls the freedom dividend and yeah, I'm not trying to convince you guys to support this guy or anything like that, but I, I do want to talk about the UBI so that if you have heard only a few things about it and think it's a bad idea, I, I'm, I want to at least open you up to the, the possibility of looking into it. I, I want you guys to be open enough to look into it, to, to understand what it is, because yeah, I think it's important as citizens of the United States, if if you are a citizen of the United States, I know there are some of you who are listening outside of the country, but if you're a citizen of the United States or a citizen of whatever country you are in, you should vote and it's your duty to vote. And in these political times, I think it's important to understand the political issues. Um, so, I mean, UBI is fairly new to the mainstream in, in the US. So that's why I'm talking about it. But there are plenty of other things that you guys should look into, right? Like Bernie Sanders, Medicaid for all issue. And uh, just a lot of the different proposals that the candidates have, the big ones, I think you definitely should look into. And I, I wanna talk about UBI because Andrew Yang is kind of written off as this fringe candidate, kind of a joke kind of guy. I actually think he has a real shot at winning. Uh, my wife disagrees. A lot of people around me disagree, but um, yeah, I, I just, so I just want to talk about it because this is really timely and topical because for the first time, I believe on the democratic debate stage, the other candidates engaged in conversation about the UBI. Um, so that, that's why I think Andrew Yang has a shot because his, his messaging is getting out there. But I digress. Uh, so the fact that other people besides Andrew Yang are talking about it means that, yeah, it's it's going to be part of considerations for policies that are proposed and maybe even passed in the future, even if Andrew Yang doesn't become a president. So I'm, I'm going to be mentioning Andrew Yang a lot because the UBI, I learned a lot through him, through following him. If you're interested, I, I would recommend you go listen to the Joe Rogan podcast uh, with Andrew Yang on it. It was really insightful. Also, I mean, there are, if you're Asian American and, and you like uh, Ryan Higa, then I don't even know if I'm Ryan Higa. Am I pronouncing his name right? But he, he has an off the pill podcast where Andrew Yang was on and he, he talks about uh, kind of uh, on a on simpler terms. Um, he talks about his 
his policies and things like that. So, I mean, Andrew Yang's been on a million podcasts and a million interviews. So just look him up somewhere if you want to learn more about it, about him. But uh, he, he does do a really good job of explaining the UBI and how he plans to pay for it and all that. So that's why I am recommending you go watch that. Because it's, for me, it was refreshing to see a candidate who has so many different policy ideas the policies and proposals for policies that yeah it's it's really interesting so another one uba is ubi is his main one but uh, one interesting one is he wants to get rid of the penny which i have been talking about forever and i think the penny is is useless it's so annoying to have to even worry about those those things but yeah so so just go go look it up if you're interested but if you're not interested you don't like andrew yang that's fine. Just let's just listen to this podcast about UBI, and uh, just know that I'll be referencing him because my information is from him. So, what is the UBI? The UBI is Universal Basic Income, and the form that in the form that Andrew Yang is proposed it, it would be a thousand dollars a month to every adult in the United States, every adult citizens citizen in the United States. So if you are a U.S. citizen over the age of 18, every month until you die, you would receive a thousand dollars. And so let's just do a little bit of quick math here. If you take 300 million people in the United States, roughly around 200 million of those are over the age of 18, a thousand dollars a month would translate to $12,000 a year. So that's roughly 2.4 trillion dollars a year to fund just a ubi it seems like a lot of money which it is but the way that andrew yang's proposal is uh the the way that he would fund it is he would impose a vat tax a vat tax a vat tax is a value added tax which is weird because if you say vat tax you're saying value added tax tax we should just call it the vat Maybe they do. Maybe I'm, I'm the dumb one for calling it VAT tax. But regardless of VAT, what it means is it taxes you 10%. So the proposal that Andrew Yang has is a 10% VAT, which charges you 10% tax. Is that right? Do you charge tax? Or it taxes you, sorry. It taxes you 10% for any amount of money you spend to add value to a product. So he, he talks about Amazon. Every sale of a product would uh, trigger this tax. Uh, for Google, every every search would trigger some sort of tax. So it's it's a way of charging. Sorry, I keep using that term. It's a way of taxing these big companies that have learned how to take advantage of loopholes or, or circumvent certain tax laws so that they end up paying zero dollars in, in federal tax. So if you, just think about this, these multi-billion dollar companies and the fact that they pay nothing. They pay nothing in taxes. Uh, and, and, and just think about how much you pay uh, in income tax to, to the country. So it, it doesn't seem fair, right? But you know you can't really blame these companies because these are how the tax laws are written and they just smartly figured out ways to take advantage of it so the vat tax and and so just so that you are aware you compare it to other developed countries in the world most of them already have vat taxes 
and they're at around 30%. So uh, 10% is, is, it seems like a lot, but it's, it's really not compared to other uh, developed countries in the world. And some of the criticisms of this is that it would cause some sort of inflation. Um, it would, or it would put the burden of paying these VAT taxes to the consumers and inevitably disproportionately uh, disadvantage poor people because poor people, the percentage of their income that goes to buying necessities and essential goods is a lot higher than rich people. So, so there's all these talks about it, but yeah, I mean, sure. I think there's risk there. I think Andrew Yang is aware of them. So he, he talks about how the VAT tax would not be on, or it would not be imposed on essential goods and, and foods and things like that. So I think it's, it's okay there, but so just, and, and so, sorry, let me finish talking about his funding plan. Doing that would, would raise a lot of money, but not enough to fully pay for the $2.4 trillion. But the other other things that we have to take into consideration is that the UBI doesn't pay for people who are already receiving assistance, financial assistance from the country. So if, if you're on welfare and you get, let's say, $500 a month, the UBI would only pay $500 additional dollars. It would only bring you up to $1,000 a month. If you're getting you know, $1,200 a month on welfare, then you don't receive anything from the UBI because... The UBI, again, it's only meant to bring you up to $1,000. It's, it's not going to take away anything from you if you're receiving more than $1,000. But yeah, it, so considering that people are already getting paid these monies and that they would not need to, that we would not need to pay for them, it also it, it brings the total down um, from whatever was remaining further down. And the the gap left over would be paid by the recirculation of money. So the idea is that if people have extra thousand dollars a month, then they would spend it, right? And regular taxes means that you would be pouring money back right back into the government. Every time you buy something, sales tax or things like that would mean that not all the money is just being sucked into a black hole somewhere. It's, it's gonna go to, um, yeah, these, these taxes, it's going to go to revitalizing economically certain areas and it's going to go, um, it's, it's going to help people start businesses and there's there's ways that this money will eventually go back into the economy and as the economy grows, it will go back to, to the government, which will refill the pool, I guess, for the UBI. And so yeah, I did a terrible job of explaining how uh, Andrew Yang's proposal of how to fund the UBI, but if you're interested, then go go find one of his interviews or go to his website and, and look that up because he doesn't. He's very articulate and he's very smart about presenting um, ideas like that. So, before I get into the reasons why I think the UBI is great, I want to talk about the risks and, and the the problems that I've heard from people about the UBI. What why your UBI is bad and why it would um, be bad for the, the country and its people. So the first thing I hear is that if we give people free money, that it would de-incentivize them, de-incentivize? De-incentivize them from working, right? So if you're getting this 
chunk of change. Well, it's not, it's more than, it's much more than a chunk of change, right? A thousand dollars a month is not a negligible amount of money. But if someone receives a thousand dollars a month and they'll just try to live off of that without working and they would not contribute anything to society. And I, I don't think that's true because anyone listening to this right now, if you are a working person or if you're a student, uh, go ask your parents or wherever you get your money from. Would a thousand dollars a month be okay for you to live on? To most people, it's it's not because a thousand dollars a month only brings you up right up to the the poverty line. It's, so, if you make a thousand dollars a month now, then you would be classified as uh, someone who is in poverty. So it's it's not enough to to live any sort of lavish lifestyle. You would have to be super super frugal if you if you were to try to live off of it. And yeah. It, it's really just there, it's supposed to be there as just a safety net. It's not supposed to make people want to quit their jobs. The only reason why I think someone might quit their job receiving UBI is so that they can do something else to give themselves a, get themselves into a better job or maybe even create jobs themselves by starting a business. But, but let me get into that when I, when I talk about the benefits. So uh, yeah, that, that's one of the, the risks. Another one is people say that it might cause inflation. I don't think that's true because just the fact that people have extra money, I don't think would cause companies to charge charge more. Maybe they might a little bit because of the, the VAT tax that they're having to pay. They might try to push that off onto the consumers. But I think because it's all happening at once, other competitors would take advantage of that and say, well, if they're doing that, let us not do that so that we can incentivize people to stop buying our competitors' products and come to us to buy our products. So for example, if McDonald's says, because we have to pay this extra VAT tax and because everyone is now getting $1,000 a month from the government, we're going to increase the price of our Whopper or Big Mac, sorry, (laughs) Big Mac. Then the Burger King down the street can say, well, McDonald's is increasing their costs. So let's keep our costs down or at the level that it's at so that people will stop going to McDonald's and they'll come to us. And Burger King, I don't know about you guys, but in in my area, I feel like Burger King is losing the fast food battle. So Burger King could use some advantage like that, right? So why wouldn't they? And so, yeah, I've heard economics economic uh, professors explain that uh, it, w- it wouldn't cause but inflation but I have also heard other people say that it would so I don't I don't know where I stand on that I don't know enough to to say whether or not it would um, but I just in my own mind it just doesn't yeah I, I don't think it would I, I'm not convinced that that it would cause any sort of inflation and so yeah th- those are really the two main, uh, opposition or or reasons to hate on UBI that I've heard. But, you know, I, I might actually be in an echo chamber um, with modern technology today and, and Google's algorithms and all that. I might just be hearing all the good things about UBI because that's what I've been looking up. So if there are other reasons that UBI is bad, please let me know because I, I, I want to be as well-rounded 
you know, I, I talk about this a lot, but I want to be as well-rounded as I can be on all subjects, especially things that I'm supporting because I, I might have, I probably do have a lot of blind spots. So if you guys know of other reasons, please let me know. Um, I'll, I'll tell you guys my email address at the end. So those are kind of the drawbacks. Those are the, the, the cons of UBI. And I personally think that the pros far outweigh the cons. So let me present the pros to you guys so you can make that determination. First thing is financial mobility. So what that is, is typically your income is tied to a geographic location, right? Your job, unless there are a lot of people with remote jobs. I, I happen to be one of those people, but far majority of the working class or just people in the U.S., their income is tied to whether their ability to go to a physical location, right? Your job, if you can't make it to your job, then they won't pay you. They'll fire you, right? So people are usually tied down, anchored to a, a spot so that they can make a living. And I know there are people who can easily find jobs elsewhere and, and things like that, but it, it's not soup. It's not always guaranteed. And uh, if you have a very specific skill, then it, it might not be as easy. Um, like if you're a computer programmer, pretty much every company can use a computer programmer. So it might be easy for you to move place to place. But let's say if you're a lobster catcher, <laughs> then you have to be on the coast somewhere, right? So um, yeah, that's just, I don't know if that's a silly example or not, but just, just you think about your personal situation and how easy it would be for you to move somewhere else to a different job or, or things like that. It's not always a smooth transition, right? You're, you're not completely financially mobile, right? But what the UBI does is it gives people who need it mobile or financial mobility. And that's because no matter where you live, the check a thousand dollars a month from the government is going to come to you, right? As long as you're a citizen and over the age of 18. So imagine someone who is in a abusive relationship who can't leave that relationship because they don't work and their partner does then because that's actually one of the, a lot of the reason Oh, that's that's the reason a lot of the times why people can't leave abusive relationships because financially they're unable to. But if they have free one thousand dollars a month, um, then they can leave. It would be a lot easier for them to leave. It's not again. It's not going to solve their problems. They're going to have to figure something out in the long term. But there's enough of a safety net, enough of a cushion there to, um, yeah to negate the necessity of staying in a single relationship or a situation, right? Or, or another thing, if you live in a kind of dying or decrepit part of the, the United States, then you can leave. Um, for example, Detroit, I, I've been to Detroit and I've seen pictures and things like that, but it, it's, a, it's a little depressing um, seeing how a, those abandoned malls look like and how decrepit it's becoming. And yeah, there was a few years ago, people selling their houses for iPhones, just crazy things like that happening. Um, ever since the auto industry kind of crashed, Detroit has, because Detroit, the city was built around the, the automotive industry. It's, it's become, I, I don't know if it's any better now, but when I went 
two, three years ago, it, it didn't look great. So people who are stuck there because they have a, a shop that they're running or, or they, you know, whatever reasons economically they're tied down there, that would no longer be an issue. They can pack up and leave and try to figure out um, how to become more successful in a different, more prosperous part of the country. Because if all the businesses around you are dying, then opportunities are very limited. But if you can pick up and move somewhere else where economically it's prospering, then yeah, you just give yourself better opportunity, right? So I, I think financial mobility is is huge. I, I think it can help a lot of people who are in uh, bad situations or kind of hopeless situations. It, it can give them hope. And I think, yeah, as as a human being, you deserve that level of dignity, especially for a country as rich as ours. I think uh, we, we should be we should think of it as our duty to 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 be that way. And I don't know. I didn't really touch on this aspect of uh, a con that people bring up, but people say things like, well, people don't deserve money that they don't earn. The free handouts is is not good. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that argument because just being a citizen of the U.S., if you're a citizen of the U.S., if you live here, it means that you have such a huge handout given to you at birth over people who live in, let's say, Africa. I've been to Tanzania, and there are literally people who live in houses that are smaller than your room, probably, and they have maybe two pairs of clothes, and they have no indoor plumbing, and just all that. The infrastructure of the country itself is in those poor areas are not great. So just being a citizen of the U.S. means that you, you have a huge huge leg up that you didn't earn, that you didn't do anything to receive. But you're okay with that. But yeah, so I think we have to think about the UBI as, as kind of an extension of that, of, of the fact that we do live in the most economically prosperous country of the world. Or actually, I don't, yeah, I don't, know if, I don't know for a fact if that's true or not, but uh, with China being so economically prosperous these days. But America is is not hurting for for money by any means. So let me get back to the the pros. So the first thing I talked about was financial mobility. Second thing is the ability to chase your dreams. And I had a podcast with Connor Chang where we talked about passion. And a lot of people, I think, can't really chase their passions because they're tied down to just trying to make a living. And if you live in a situation where you have a certain financial obligation, let's say student debt, mortgage, bills, things like that, then you can't necessarily just up and leave your job and chase your dreams, right? But if I think about my situation with my wife, we have two adults in our household. So if the UBI were to become a reality, we would receive $2,000 extra a month. And my wife, if she wanted to, she could leave her job and really go full on and all in on soft tea. If you guys haven't heard this podcast before, my wife has a 
bubble tea business called soft tea. Um, she's been killing it doing pop-ups and, and things like that. And her drinks are amazing. They're really good, but she's tied down to her job because we have financial obligations and we have a kid and all that. So if, if we were afforded two extra thousand dollars a month, then that would be, it would just make it a lot easier for, for my wife to decide that she would go all in, in her entrepreneurial endeavors. And just, let's just think about a lot of people in the U.S. who probably have a lot of good ideas, probably have a, a lot of ambition, but can't do anything about it because they're stuck in whatever financial situation they're in. So, again, $1,000 a month is not going to allow someone to live off of it for a very long time. But if someone dips into their savings and using the safety net of UBI decides to chase a dream of, of starting a business, then that's something that we as, as a country should encourage, right? We, we live in a country that prides itself in innovation and the capitalistic mindset. So if there are people out there who, because of their financial situations, can't really dig themselves out of the hole um, that they're in, to be able to to pursue dreams and things like that then yeah i think the ubi would afford them that situation would afford them that uh, opportunity and the the last pro that i want to talk about is financial stress relief so i think this would impact most it, this would have the biggest impact of of everything i talked about but imagine that you have an extra thousand dollars a month what would you do with it I think most people would say I would pay down my credit card debt. I would try to pay off my student loans. I would pay off uh, house loans, mortgages, car loans. A lot of people in the U.S. in the lower and middle class have a lot of debt, right? And it's crippling sometimes. It can cause a lot of stress. It can cause a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. I actually don't think it's a coincidence that, that we have so much mental illness and mental sickness in, in this country. But if you were to have an extra $1,000 a month to help you relieve some of that pressure, wouldn't that be hugely helpful? Um, I, it would be for me. I am by no means poor. I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything, but I, I feel like me and my wife were comfortably in the middle class, but we would definitely, we would really uh, be helped by relieving some of the financial pressures that we have. It's Andrew Yang describes it as taking the boot off of people's necks because if people in the middle class are feeling financial pressure, then how much more pressure do you think people in the lower class are feeling? All right, so yeah, I think as a country, if we have the ability and the willingness to bail out Wall Street in 2008 from an economic disaster of their own creation, why can't we bail out the American people? Because the American people were expected to pay for the bailout of Wall Street because it was all tax money, right? So if we can bail out people in Wall Street and be okay with them continuing to pay out ridiculously high bonuses to their CEOs, executives, and whatnot. 
why can't we take a chance on the American people? Why can't we give the American people some money so that they can be they can experience some relief? So, yeah, I I don't know. Just instead of thinking about how we can raise money for the government to figure out how to spend it and help the American people, why not give that money directly to the American people? I mean, we're we're not talking about giving money to little kids here, right? We're talking about grown adults giving them money so that they can inc- improve the living the standard of living that they're they're in. And Sorry, I said that this was my last pro, but I just thought of a few more. So another incentive, another pro for UBI is if you think about homeless people in America, who's doing anything about it, really? Is there anyone overly concerned about how to help these homeless people? But if they received $1,000 a month, suddenly I'm sure there will be a lot of people realizing that oh i want to help them out because now they have the ability to pay so there are a lot of mentally ill uh, homeless people out there who can't really hold down a job but if they're guaranteed a thousand dollars a month then someone out there i'm sure would be willing to start some sort of center to house them to look after them to take care of them maybe even educate them a little so that they can rejoin the workforce Um, but yeah, I mean, government programs that were set up to do that have largely failed, I believe. Um, yeah, I, mean, I would look up the statistic on that, but I don't think they've, I don't think they've been largely successful. But if they're, if each of those homeless people are guaranteed $1,000 a month, then governments don't have to worry about it. There will be private citizens creating private companies to, to help those people out because there's economic incentive too, right? And also for people who kind of throw their family away, who who get hurt or who are old, not because they want to, but because economically they just can't take care of them. Now they have the ability to take care of them, right? If 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 there's someone who needs assistance full time, they they are gonna have an extra thousand dollars a month too. So family members who before could not afford to take care of them now can because there's an extra thousand dollars a month there. So the, the people that were lost to the fringes of our socioeconomic structure are now, I mean, it's sad, but in the eyes of the our capitalistic monetary mind view, <laughs> monetary perspective, they suddenly have value, right? So people who couldn't afford to do anything about it before now have economic incentive to do something about it. And if you just th- just think about your local communities, imagine that, so sorry, this is a, a another pro, uh, economic revitalization. Just think about your local community and some of the local stores that are around. A lot of them end up failing because Amazon's taking over, uh, Walmart's taking over, all these big companies are, are taking over, right? But if in some of the smaller, poorer economic uh, communities, suddenly everyone has an extra thousand dollars a month, then they have the ability to support local business and and prop up some of the, the, the economies that they're the communities that they're living in. And they're no longer um, 
only going to be able to afford things at super cheap rates at, at places like Walmart. They can go to local stores. They can go to farmers markets. So it's giving power to the people. This UBI will give power to the people and the people can now uh, choose to... Not, not that there is no choice now. Um, I mean, whatever you buy is a choice, but you have limited options if you're trying to work with a limited amount of money. But if you have money that you know you're always going to get and that you don't have to be fearful about, oh, if I spend too much, then I'm not going to, I'm going to run out of savings. Yeah, if you know that you have a always replenishing source of $1,000 a month, then this idea of scarcity starts to dwindle away. And you can choose to prop up local economies, right? I think that's something I'm really excited about the potential of. I mean, I'm excited about the potential for this economic revitalization that can happen in local communities because people no longer have to try to buy the cheapest things because they want to put all this money in their savings account to to try to make it day to day because they're living paycheck to paycheck. Right. So yeah, extra thousand dollars a month to the people means that the people can now choose to uh, reinvigorate the economy in the way that they see fit. The, the issue that I have with Bernie Sanders is exactly this. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't want to get overly political on this, but I'm just letting you guys know my mind and what I think. You, you guys should do your own research and vote for whoever you want to vote for. But uh, I, I used to like Bernie Sanders, um, but I, the reason I don't really, I, the, the issue that I have with Bernie Sanders is his thing is let's give money to the government so that the government can do things like federal job guarantees or, or Medicaid for all. Like the government is deciding how to help people out economically right but why do why does the government need to be in charge of that i have more faith in our people i have more faith in our citizens than than governments that are controlled by lobbyists so give the money to the people and the people um through is a trickle up economy as andrew yang explains it give the money to the people and see see that money and you'll start to see what people value by looking at where that money goes to. And I think, yeah, the UBI is gonna, it has the potential to eradicate poverty, uh, homelessness at least in the United States, because how many homeless people out there are refusing a thousand dollars a month, right? So yeah, I just just wanna see more dignity for our our people. I I wanna see a little bit of a rebalance of of wealth in the country and that's why i think ubi is going to be great it's it's not full-on socialism it's not taking money unjustly from from people to give to people who don't deserve it it's oh you know actually didn't mention the biggest part the, the reason why andrew yang is for ubi his impetus the the genesis of why he believes uh, ubi is necessary is because automation is increasing and the more you automate jobs away the more people will be displaced from jobs and left with 
no way to survive. Because if the faster it happens, the less time people have to re-educate themselves or re-skill themselves to do something else. But the older you are, the less likely it is that you'll be able to learn new skills and go into a different field, right? So, or a different industry. Um, so I, he's not against automation. It was crazy because I read an article that said, why does Andrew Yang fear automation? And he's not he's not fearing automation he's just saying automation is happening it's a good thing but we can't leave the people that automation is gonna leave in the dust we have to do something to help them up so that that's the impetus for it um people truck drivers for example um truck drivers make pretty good money but if these driverless trucks get uh put on the road suddenly millions of truck drivers will be uh, without a job and it's not going to be easy for them to find other things to do but so that they can survive while they are looking for other things to do a thousand dollars a month is would be great that, that, that's that's what it's there for it's, it's the safety net it's the cushion for the blow of of automation and the mass automation that andrew yang believes will will happen so I, I I agree with that. I I think automation is great. Um, we should take advantage of every economic innovation that we can find. And automation is one of those. But we we can't forget the people. We can't only focus on finances. We can't only focus on how much the GDP is. We have to focus on our people surviving. Our people doing well. Our people happy. And I think uh, UBI resolves a lot of those concerns. So guys. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, you know, I don't shy away from a, a politics on this podcast, but I, I don't really dive super deep into it either. So I thank you for listening to this particular episode where it did inevitably get political. Uh, again, I'm not, I am disclosing the fact that I am a contributor to Andrew Yang's campaign, but today's episode was not about me trying to convince you to vote for him. If you step away from this podcast saying, okay, I'll, I'll vote for Andrew Yang, I hope that's not because that's not purely because of what I said. I hope you did your own research. I hope you looked into other candidates. I hope you looked into the, the, the cons of UBI that I didn't mention that I'm not aware of um, to make your own informed decision. That's what I advocate for, for everything, for all the time. <laughs> Whatever the, the subject matter is, I, I always advocate that you go out and uh, be informed in a less biased manner um, because today's episode admittedly was very biased um, so yeah go go do your own research if you find something that makes you believe that ubi is a terrible idea please let me know uh, i i am curious what else is out there besides what i mentioned and if yeah, if you find other things, other reasons why UBI is great, then yeah, let me know about that too. Positive or negative feedback. Or, or sorry, not positive or negative. Feedback that agrees with me or disagrees with me. Disagrees with me. I appreciate and welcome. So if you want to email me any any of those feedbacks, please email me at ihthtpodcast at gmail.com. That's I hope they hear this at gmail.com. Or comment or message me on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is just, I hope they hear this. No spaces, no dashes, just the words, I hope they hear this. 
So guys, thank you again so much for hanging in there with me. Um, for people who are don't agree with Andrew Yang politically, this was, well, I would be surprised if you listened to this whole thing. But if you did, thank you so much. And if it made you curious about UBI and you want to go look into it, then I am happy. That is that is what I wanted. That is purely what I wanted. Just you guys to go and be curious about UBI and want to learn more about it. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening once again, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.